0: Hello and welcome back to Bottomless Coffee. Today, we are talking about maintaining relationships with Yevgeny Israelite. In this conversation, we follow Yevgeny's fascinating personal journey and the surprisingly large number of twists and turns that it has taken him to get to where he is today. Yevgeny's story, from my perspective, is one of maintaining familial and professional relationships, and eventually leveraging those relationships for his professional benefit. And professional benefit is certainly one way to exert the power that comes with connection, but this is bottomless coffee, and to the extent that we are concerned about bettering our families, friend groups, or communities, I hope that we remember that connection and relationships can be leveraged to affect that change as well as for benefiting ourselves. Also, I'm really thrilled to announce that Bottomless Coffee podcast and Bottomless Coffee with Jerome have partnered with the Minnesota Department of Health. That means that we will have some content to share during the coffee breaks in the podcast and in the TV show. So be on the lookout for that. I'm gonna do my best to convey the information to you in a fun and engaging way. And also kind of cool, I'm pretty sure that I have the tools to keep that content fresh. So you'll always be getting the most up-to-date information in the coffee breaks. Whether you decide to listen to this episode a hundred times or just move forward to the next one, you'll always be getting the most up-to-date info in those coffee breaks. Okay, yay. Let's jump into the conversation with Yevgeny Israelite. Hey everybody, welcome back to Bottomless Coffee. Uh, It has been, uh, what, a couple of months now? So in case you've forgotten, I am Jerome, I am your host, and what we do here is have really fantastic conversations about things that you're interested in, that I'm interested in, but that ultimately leave you feeling inspired and empowered to make your community and the world just that much better. Today, we're gonna be talking about connections um, within the world of professional development in particular. And one reason why I'm really fascinated by this topic is because I have traditionally been a loner. I'm like, I can get this done on my own, no problem. Give me a task, I'll make a list and I'll get it done. Um, And as I have progressed through my career and through my activism, I have learned that you get so much more accomplished when you work with other people. And if you want people to work with you, uh, you're gonna need to be connected with them in an authentic way. Uh, So now our guest today, Yevgeny, has uh, a gift for for creating and maintaining and cultivating uh, these connections. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with him. Now, he was referred to us by Ron Hunter, um, who is the brother of Ray Hunter. And so I feel obligated to share that this is uh, uh, another bit of hashtag Hunter excellence uh, coming through on the podcast. But for now, uh, welcome, Yevgeny, how's it going?
1: Good, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be Oh, it's
0: a you. real pleasure, it's a real pleasure. Um, You know, we had that pre-call maybe two months ago and um, I was fascinated by your story, um, both like the kind of the twists and turns in your professional career, but then also your personal story of how it all came to be and how it all shook out. So why don't we dive in now and tell me, you know, how did you get here? Absolutely. Well... Right now, I'm sitting
1: in Boulder, Colorado, so I have to end up here, but I started in uh, St. Petersburg, Russia. So I was born uh, in Russia and spent eight years there and then moved to New York City as a Jewish refugee. So this is kind of an immigrant story where, you know, I moved from from Russia to the Bronx in New York and spent my formative years growing up there. And uh, there was definitely, there's twists and turns professionally and personally, and so you know, the Bronx was a good place to grow up. And I guess one of the really transformative pieces that happened to me that kind of helped me get to where I am is that I was, you know, sponsored to go to this amazing private school in New York called the Ethical Culture Fieldston School. And that kind of started giving me this sense mm-hmm. of connection because people, you know, from the beginning in America seemed to care about me a little bit and helped push me in a position where, you know, there could be a strong community to support my So. That's kind of the uh...
0: The very tip, the very tip of how um, you got here. I do want to read your uh, professional introduction because I think that gives people a little bit of context. Uh, We understand that you have a refugee slash immigrant story and that you leverage your connections in a really great way. But let's um, read off their professional introduction and see the results of all those connections. Okay, if Evgeny is a recent transplant to Boulder, Colorado, where he lives with his spouse and two kids. Evgeny works at growing at a growing biotech startup called OnCure Therapeutics as a senior research investigator, where he's helping discover cancer therapies. Previously, he's worked at Genentech, Genentech, and Novartis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Genentech. taking it drug discovery for cancer and infectious viruses in a bigger company setting. This was after an exciting stint as the first hire at Viewpoint Therapeutics, a San Francisco startup developing eye drops for cataracts. Evgeny is in tra- training, includes a PhD in chemical biology from Cornell University and a postdoc at Brown University. Now that's a lot, and it's lengthy because you've been going to so many places and doing so many things. <laughs> yeah
1: so that's part of my twists and turns. so i started you know as a young kid in the bronx and i ended up as a professional scientist jumping around the east
0: coast the west coast and now kind of the intermountain west um and i think it's also really interesting to note that uh there are things missing from that professional biography because those are the things that you have done yeah. um, and that you uh, i guess list as major accomplishments or major employers but it doesn't list uh, potential employers that you kind of turned down um, ahead of time. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that. You know, so
1: you mean from so the other training? Yeah. So this not, is
0: kind of going back after, to yeah. your time in New York. Um, and then as you, you went through school and then you made another decision.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, life is about, making changes sometimes. And so, you know, I had my great education. I was, you know, got into a small liberal arts college in upstate New York, tried a bunch of different things, studied history, English, didn't even, you know, took, took up art, but then I fell in love yeah. in science. And so I kind of became a biochemistry major and just started loving science, but I didn't know what to do with it. So I kind of thought, well, I love science. I want to make people's lives better. So medical school seems like an ambitious, but good goal. And so I spent a couple of years working at different, at a nonprofit and then a doctor's office and I was able to pull off, just barely, but I got into <laughs> medical school. And so, and once I got in, I thought, this is a great path for me. So I went to the University of Buffalo and I started. And pretty much right away, when I got to medical school, I realized it wasn't for me. It just did not feel right. I wasn't, I didn't feel good in the patient room. I didn't feel good studying in the way I had to study. I just didn't feel like myself in all honesty just didn't it so didn't feel right and so that's when i started kind of you know talk about authenticity you know i didn't have a big network then. i was just trying to make my way but i had this you know important moment in my life so i started talking to anybody i could to give me some advice and i would tell them hey i'm thinking about doing this major thing i know we just met you're a professor at this university or You're a friend of a friend or you're a parent of somebody I met along the way. What do you think? And when you tell people something serious, like, hey, I'm about to drop out of medical school, (laughs) they tend to give you some advice, good or bad, but it's just good. So, But the advice is always good to hear. And so I got a lot of points of kind of information. And one point stood out was something that I heard along the way was, if you're not having fun with what you're doing and you can make a change, can you do something that you read about in your spare time? Like mm. what do you read when you go home at night? Have a cup of decaffeinated <laughs> coffee perhaps. And what do you read if you can align your professional path with what you're doing in your free time, then that's a no brainer. And at that time I was really sticking to this editorial called chemical and engineering news. It's a like spare
0: time. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's a weekly My spare time. I would come home from medical school and I'd be like, God, this is good, but I'm gonna read this chemical engineering news. And it was like a click. I was like, wait a second. I'm reading about chemistry and biotechnology and drug discovery. So why don't I try to do that? And it was a big change. I mean, it was hard. So when I told my, grand- I mean, me going to medical school it was my grandma who moved with her, our- basically drove, our- moved their family to America. But I told her that yeah. I was leaving medical school. I mean, that was
0: one of the hardest conversations I've had. And she was, well, it you know. <laughs> has to be because I think um part of the story, the American dream that, you know, we export out to other countries as a culture is that you come to America, you can be anything, especially if it's a doctor, a lawyer, engineer or something that's going to provide um financial stability for you and the and the family. Yep. Um and so uh, at the time when you were talking with, you know, everyone you've ever met up until that point, still hadn't really quite uh, developed a network for yourself, but you were um, making friends fast, let's say. You were also yeah. having conversations yeah. with your family, and it was a very yeah. tough one with your grandmother in particular, um, but did she ultimately support you in, in making that transition, or did you did you break your grandmother's heart? Uh, for a little bit, only to make <laughs> her happy later.
1: <laughs> that, you know, Joe, you got it, a second pass. You know, I definitely, I really felt, it was tough. I mean, it was hard and she was, she was upset and it did feel like I broke her heart a little bit because she was so set on this story that she believed should, you know, happen to me. But, you know, as Grandma's do, I want her back. I mean, I know right, really right. she always was rooting for me. She was always rooting for me. But I think when she saw, when you know, then I applied to graduate school, and I wasn't sure how that was going to turn out. But I was able to, you know, I got into to Cornell, and I started this uh, chemical biology PhD program where I was studying small molecules and aging in a worm, C. elegans, a model organism. And I brought so much, it, it brought me so much enjoyment that I couldn't help but share it. So but I shared it with my grandmother, and I would come back and tell her what I was doing. At one point, she said, you made a right oh, choice. Good. It her a little bit. I think the kind of joy I was receiving from the work resonated with her. She could see that. Okay. And then she was like, okay, you know, you made this choice and you went forward and that's the other piece of advice. In addition to doing what you, you know, if you can match your personal time, you know, what you read in your professional goals, that's great. Another piece of advice that I got that resonated was, was somebody said. There's always choices. You can always change your choice, but once you started, you got to do it. Yeah. You got to move forward. For a little bit at least. You gotta move forward. And I maybe I maybe I added a little bit. I <laughs> they said, you just gotta go. But I kind of to myself, I, said, I gotta try it. You know, I gotta do it. So for medical school it was four months, and I was like,
0: sure. that's enough. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but when I got to graduate school, I was like, I'm all in. Let me give this my full attention because I made this big change and now let's see what I get out of this. And it worked out because I really, I really enjoyed it. But then that wasn't the end of my yep. changing. You know, there's a lot of, my story continues to have kind of, you know, turned. So I can, yeah, can please, give us
0: the skinny. What happened next?
1: So the graduate experience is really fun. And then I, uh, after five years of doing a couple of different things, getting some publications <laughs> and, you know, have to defending my PhD, which was a great moment in my life, I moved uh, to Brown University for a postdoc. And something really exciting happened is that I met my spouse on the train going from Providence to Boston, hmm. three months in. And she was finishing up medical school. So even though I left medical school, I ended up finding <laughs> somebody who was actually decided to fix it. But she took her own path. She took a couple of years out after, and medical school was her choice. She she changed her career path to go back to medical school, medical oh, school a little later. So she was incredibly committed. Yeah. But once I met her, she said, I'm finishing medical school, and I'm going to match somewhere in this country Will you move with me? And I had just started my postdoc. And, you know, I thought to myself, this postdoc is good. It's interesting, but it doesn't feel oh my like gosh. my life. And I met this person, and I know about She seems more important. So when she got into UCSF, I moved with her. So, you know, there was another change. I had to tell my postdoc advisor that I was leaving the postdoc without, you know, this completion. You know, postdocs are a little more ambiguous, it's a little unclear sure. when you're done. And I told them, you know, I need to move, so I'll finish. And, you know, that was another tough change. I mean,
0: I have to feel like at this point in your family and your connections, people, they're starting to think, okay, (laughs) it's a lot of starting, not a lot of finishing.
1: (laughs) That's right, you know? And that's right. And I felt that, and I was worried a little bit. But sometimes you just got to say that. There was one side of that but there was another side that said you know it doesn't matter as much what you just did it's about Mm -hmm. what you're gonna do Mm -hmm. because once i got to san francisco and that's where i started really appreciating how to grow a network again i finished my postdoc i did my PhD in the east coast and i landed in san francisco without a network so i was a little nervous i was like what have i done i mean my partner she's amazing and so i felt really good about that but professionally i was a little anxious
0: yeah yeah, I, and I bet every, everyone in your circle who cares for you is probably anxious. Yes.
1: Jerome, <laughs> so you wrote a note on our, yeah. our outline that I really like. I, I was going to say that I started networking, but really what I started doing is talking <laughs> to anyone I could possibly <laughs> talk to. I spent two months unemployed, connecting with every single person I could in San Francisco. A friend of a friend, a friend of a friend of a friend, a professor I had a class with once who had a connection. I must have reached out. I had a personal mindset. I said, every day, I'm going to reach out to at least one person or apply to one job or do something that could potentially lead to something positive. Fantastic. Yeah, it, it started to roll because out of the five people I would get in touch with, one or two let Let's say, let's get a cup of coffee. Let's talk on the phone. Let me
0: connect you with somebody else. And so over the span of two mm-hmm. months, things just started to that come. That compounds. Up. If you set a goal of even one per day, over time, that compounds. So in, within two months, you would have uh, reached out to or applied to around 60 uh, individuals or, or yes. a certain number of jobs. Um, and then you maintain those connections yeah. with the people that would have conversations with you or that would interview you uh, for jobs, even if you didn't get the job. And I, I feel as though that's something that a lot of people don't do. I think um, even one going back to just I, I, and I want to say being brave enough to reach out. So I feel like I'm projecting like a personal vulnerability onto you because clearly you did it. So you must not have it to the same extent that I do.
1: And that's something that I was thinking about is that, you know, it's important to have, you know, and that's where, you know, definitely privilege. And I acknowledge my privilege of feeling, you know, this confidence that I can reach out, but also I looking back on it, so many people did not Mm -hmm. get that. I got rejected from so many jobs. There was an interview. I still remember driving and finding out that I did not get this one position, but I was, I mean, I was unemployed in oh, San Francisco, yeah. starting to get, again, a little. And so there was a lot of rejection. And so something that I kind of was thinking about was not to take it personally when things don't go yeah. your way, but to really appreciate and be grateful when they do. And I would ask, especially in the beginning, I was surprised at, you know, I was reaching out. But people would take their time. They would meet with me. They would give me advice. They would connect me. And I asked this one person, Jeff, who became a friend over time, why did he spend so much time doing this? And he said, oh, the same thing happened to him. He moved to San Francisco and kind of didn't know what to do, didn't have that, you know, network. And just people were really open with him. And so he felt like he should continue to pass it on. And it wasn't that he was my close acquaintance. It was really, literally a friend of a friend, but he felt a responsibility to pass it on. And so that taught me that it wasn't that I built immediately these really close relationships, but that this spread this kind of broad network can identify folks that want to help out. And I think that can be true for even those that are a little nervous or maybe less confident about reaching out.
0: So we, um, at the top of the conversation, I mentioned that Ron Hunter is the person that recommended you. And um, our conversation there was about mentorship. And what I'm really hearing from you is that uh, there was an element of menteeship um, at play here. And maybe at that time in San Francisco, you were like, all right, I am a mentee with no mentor. I'm yes. going to talk to everyone. Are you interested? Are you interested? Are you interested? Are you interested? And I mean, I don't know. You've never. You don't seem to have a background in sales, um, but I do. And you know, you only have to get to yes once, right? Yeah, <laughs> and once you do, you reap the benefits. Yes. Oh, go ahead. And
1: I, I really appreciate that. I I was trying to be the best mentee I could be. because I, I, You know, I thought coming from a PhD program, I had a couple of really deep mentors, but they mm-hmm. were far away. They were in the East Coast. They weren't as well connected here. And so I was putting myself out there and I started doing things that I think could make, could be characteristics of trying to be a good mentee. I would try to follow up quickly. I would be very available. So if somebody said, let's get coffee, I would say, yeah. where, when, <laughs> and I'll buy the coffee. I was broke, but I would always offer to buy a cup of coffee. Oh, let's wonder. I hope they turned you down on (laughs) that. I hope they... (laughs) Yeah, most of the time folks turned me down, but it was part of that spirit that like, I need to be a good mentee because these folks are giving me their time. And then what you said is really important. I would follow up and say thanks. Mm. So when I got my first job, I probably sent over, I was trying to look back at least, over 30 or 40 emails just telling people who I had a one hour or 30 minute conversation, here's what happened.
0: And some of them wrote
1: back, some of them didn't, but it just felt like an important way to conclude, even this like informal brief interaction to say, yeah. thank you. I mean, they, they helped me, I didn't have to. And so I was trying to be a good mentee, and now I can, you know, now that I have an opportunity to be more of a mentor, you know, it's interesting. I I hope I can share some of those little tips, you know, about how People can be good mentees.
0: Fantastic, you're doing it now. Uh, And I think coming up (laughs) after this next coffee break, um, we're gonna get tactical, a little bit more tactical and talk about the tips you have um, for creating and cultivating those connections. So we'll be right back. Okay, everybody, welcome to our first coffee break. Today we are going to share some messaging that's brought to you through the Minnesota Department of Health. Okay, so the first thing that we're going to talk about, and probably the only thing we'll talk about in this break, is that Minnesota Governor Tim Walz has launched the next phase of the Kids Deserve a Shot Vaccine Incentives Program, okay, incentives, so that's exciting. Uh, now encouraging Minnesota families to get their children five through 11 years old fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Getting as many eligible Minnesotans vaccinated as possible is critical to helping curb the spread of COVID-19 and keep Minnesota families safe. Vaccines help keep kids safe from severe illness and hospitalization. Right now, three months into eligibility, Only 25% of Minnesotans five to 11 years old are fully vaccinated. Okay, that does seem low. Uh, Oh, the lowest vaccination rate of all eligible age groups. As Omicron surges across the nation and sets record-breaking new case counts, the Walls-Flanagan administration, um, that is the governor and lieutenant governor of Minnesota, the Walls-Flanagan administration is launching this program to help boost child vaccination rates. Okay, and now we get to the incentives, which is probably the coolest part uh, for a lot of people. So first off, $200 visa gift cards. Minnesota families who get their kids 5 to 11 years old fully vaccinated in January and February of 2022 can get a $200 visa gift card. In order to be eligible, Minnesotans 5 to 11 must receive their first and second dose between January 1st and February 28th 2022 parents or guardians can register their 5 to 11 year old once they have completed their two dose series so vaccines first then visa gift card registration registration for the 200 visa gift card will open at 10 a.m on january 24th 2022 and close at 11 59 p.m on february 28th 2022 Okay, so that's incentive one. Incentive two is a little bit bigger. Uh, Later this spring, there will be drawings for five $100,000 Minnesota College Scholarship drawings for all Minnesotans five to 11 years old who are fully vaccinated. Wow, $100,000. It's pretty dope. All Minnesotans five to 11 years old who completed their first and second doses at any point in time. Will be eligible to be entered for a chance to win a one hundred thousand dollar college scholarship okay uh there is a link for more information but the url is kind of long uh, i will read it out to you but let me go ahead and tell you that i'm going to post this link to our facebook that's facebook.com bottomless coffee show a little bit easier to remember facebook.com bottomless coffee show but here is the link uh, to the state of Minnesota's uh, website for this. It's Mn.gov slash COVID19 slash vaccine slash vaccine dash rewards slash kids dash deserved dash a dash shot slash. That was true, that was pretty cool. <laughs> okay, that'll be our first. Uh, coffee break. We've got one more this episode, and so uh, I'm excited to find out what the next little bit of information from the Minnesota Department of Health will be. See you soon. Okay, we are back. Welcome back to Bottomless Coffee. We're here with Yevgeny, and we are now going to talk about, in a little more tactical of a way, how to create those connections? How to maintain those connections? And then how to um, leverage those connections? From uh, keeping in mind that there's a timing element, there's a little bit of luck involved, and uh, you really got to be on it. You, this isn't something you can pick up and put down. If this is something that you're going to leverage for your future benefit, then this is a real commitment to people because it's you know it's an actual relationship, and relationships are commitments. That's not new. <laughs> Uh, So you have getting, um, during the break, you were telling me a little bit about how you got your first job um, in San Francisco. And so that's kind of a natural way to pick up where we left off. So hit us with it. Sounds great. So
1: while I was applying to a job or connecting with somebody every day, building my network, the connection that really helped me get my first job started seven years Mm -hmm. earlier. So when I made my change from medical school to graduate school, I interviewed at the University of Michigan. They actually had this great chemical biology program and it was free to apply. They flew me out and I met this amazing professor, Jason Gaspicki. I know, free (laughs) trip. ago I saw you at this conference I don't know if you remember me this time but I'd love to get your advice about working in your lab or maybe who you might know and he wrote back and said of course I remember you and we got coffee and then two months after I sent that note he got in touch and said hey I don't have a position in my lab but I am starting a company San Francisco there's biotech energy I'm starting a company and you might be a good fit and I said I would love to be a good fit so I joined his and that's an example of Jerome, I think of, you know, that was, it's, Jason is such an important connection yeah. in my life, but I didn't reach out to him every day, maybe not even every year, but I was authentically interested in what he was doing and just wanted to stay in touch. And so that was something that, you know, it's important to be c- continuous, but if you don't get in touch with somebody, you know, every month, that's okay. It's not as much work, but it's about being, somehow I just really liked following yeah. his work and,
0: you know, when I could say hi. So, okay, let's um, let's dissect this. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. had the conversation um, in Michigan and you were like, oh, this is really cool. I am genuinely interested in this. Um, and then it wasn't for, I think you said five years, five years later, you saw him again, is that maybe, right? Maybe three maybe or four three years. Or four. So you three were following this person's work for three or four years but you weren't email you weren't corresponding with them
1: no no i mean he yeah so the nature of the
0: relationship was like a follower followee not mentor mentee not even a friendship you know as it's it's almost if you're like hey i follow you on instagram you post a lot of cool science-y articles or what have you (laughs) we met and we met in real life once. Absolutely. And then you had the conversation um, at the conference. And, but even then, you weren't like, hey, you know, now let's take this relationship to the next level and become pin pals or what have you. It's just like, let's just, ha- let's just talk. Let's two human beings. And then we'll yep. both leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> and
1: one day, you know, I got to know Jason much better when I joined the oh, company. Yeah. And I asked him how he built his relationships because I, you know, I, I kind of reminded him mm-hmm. of our story. And he says he loved. I think I hit what he liked, which somebody not going beyond just being excited about his work and about him as a yeah. human being, just yeah, saying hello. That resonates with him, and he remembers that. He, you know, I didn't ask for anything except just a genuine interaction.
0: So that's um. Uh, you're really calling to mind a story that is not, not related to professional development. Well, okay, okay. Maybe I can segue it in. Uh, I was part of an education policy fellowship. And I I actually, well, it wasn't coffee that we met up to get at that time. But I met someone uh, at a place, and we we did get a beverage. And we were just talking uh-huh. about interactions that they were having with someone in their lives. and um, during that conversation, I was like, well, are you, are you sure that you're seeing this person as a complete human being? Because there is a reason why they're behaving the way that they're behaving. Um, and you know, this person was like dumbstruck, like by the idea that they might not have been treating this person like a real human, um, or a full human with their own lived experience. And there is something incredibly powerful when, someone um, that you are connecting with realizes that you are seeing their full selves that you are able to really appreciate that maybe they didn't you know have the best morning maybe they haven't been having the best year maybe yeah. they have been a fantastic year but we're all we're all sharing in the same human experience and it's so easy to lose that for some reason um, that when you do make that authentic connection um, it's really special, and I think it's yes. really memorable. And maybe that's like the heart of authenticity when it comes to connection. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that really resonates. I mean, seeing somebody humanity, and sometimes you know, you it's really hard to see the whole human being from one mm-hmm. interaction. But connecting on something that both people care about, that seems easier. And we often meet people. We know we can see what yeah. they care about. You know, they're showing us. And so if you can synergize with that because it really, you know, connects with you as well, that becomes, that feels authentic to me.
0: Okay, now, I completely agree with that. And I, at the same time, you know, you have to send the emails eventually, you have to. Yeah, yeah. So there are like different levels to the connections that you're maintaining because you have, uh, like with Jason, um, you you met Jason for coffee. After you found out that he was in San Francisco. But at the same time, you were, yeah. again, to remind people, you were meeting people like every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but it, you know, you had to keep doing that to meet the one person that was going to lead you to yeah. the next phase of your um, professional career.
1: You know, it sounds a little bit like professional yeah, speed dating. Yeah. <laughs> It is, and there is, you know, there's definitely a tactical, and uh, you do have to put in the work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which you did, and continue to do. So I want to try to move from the beginnings of uh, the creation of this network to now you're a little bit more established, um, and you didn't stop, right? You're still out there making connections in your community. Um, You're still maintaining the connections that you had before. So um, what are you doing now that's a little bit different from when you were, you know, talking to every scientist on the street uh, to see if they would give you a job? (laughs) You know, absolutely, I'm a little, I'm a little busier, a little less available, but I try to
1: now look at my local network and local environment and still be friendly and connect. And in a tactical measure, you know, that first job that I had, it was in an incubator. And there were a lot of, a lot of other companies Mm -hmm. there. And so I would be interested in those around me and kind of talk to them. And then if we connected at all, I would have a very tactical plan that maybe now feels a little more tactical because I can define it better. But I would follow up on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. You know, I would meet somebody and I would send them a note. And when I would LinkedIn follow, up, this is one piece of advice that I'll give to your listeners, is don't connect on your phone on LinkedIn as a friend request because that's generic. It says, I'd like to join your network. Go on your computer, log in, and then add a personal number. Even if you had just met that day, say, we just met. It was great to meet you. Let's connect. That's great advice. Look, and I do, I catch myself and I'll meet somebody and I'll find them on LinkedIn on my phone and I'll send them that note. And then I'll realize it's generic. They may look at this next week or in two months and just say no, or they might say yes. And then in three years, you want to reach out. This is a searchable thing. So if I reach out to them, they'll look back on our message and say, oh, I met Yevgeny Jenny at this incubator. So that's one piece of advice. Connect, but add a personal touch.
0: Nice. Excellent advice. I have to admit, LinkedIn is probably, um, it does not sit at the right place in my priorities list. When I'm like, I need to get off social media. I'm like, great, okay. Step one, I'm not even checking LinkedIn, so I'm already accomplishing things. Great job, Jerome. Um, yeah. But really, it's a it's a powerful tool. Uh, this episode is not sponsored by LinkedIn, but it is. Mm-hmm. If you're um, looking for professional development, if you're looking for a mentor, if you're looking to make connections with people in a professional way, that's what it's for. Yeah.
1: And I got to say, you said, I mean, it was, it, it's brave to reach out, which it is, but I actually am a little, maybe it's my personality. I get more anxiety with social oh, media really? for posting. So I don't really post. I, you know, I can't, maybe one day I will, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I think post. I don't feel comfortable necessarily sharing kind of these short sound soundbites or just, you know, I don't know what message I want to send. It's easier for me to have a conversation. So what I like about more anxious is that it's a little more static because you don't have to update it all the time but yet i can build those connections so for for that for that kind of person oh my
0: gosh we are we are definitely opposite there i'm like i will produce a whole thing (laughs) i'm like lights camera action i'll put five dollars behind it on facebook so everyone has to see it But I, I really think it's a, um, for me, it would be a skill that would need to be developed to, um, one, really learn how to use the platform effectively and to take tips, simple things like what you're talking about, um, regarding using it on the, the platform or the computer instead of the phone to heart. Cause I would never even appreciate, um, the difference. And so, but you're not updating your LinkedIn feed though. You're just using it to make those connections.
1: Yeah, and I update my LinkedIn resume with key job changes, but I don't post and still and some folks maybe do this more obviously on LinkedIn, but I make sure I keep my kind of profile up to date. But I don't I'm not an active LinkedIn user mm. at all. I do have one more piece a very yes, easy not sponsored by LinkedIn. But the other thing, I've had, you know, this is my fourth job, professional job, in the past, you know, eight years or so. And at every transition, I upgrade to LinkedIn Premium. It's free for the first and then later on, it's 30 bucks a month. It's worth it as long as you remember to cancel when you're done. And what that lets you do is see more of your con- connections, who your connections are connected to. It expands your network for that short time. So you could maybe find a new introduction to say hello to. And I find that
0: really helpful
1: because at the time when...
0: Have you done that? Have you have you reached out to a connection of a connection?
1: Yes. I reach. Out. Sometimes if I, so my approach is if I know that, so let's say I find a company that I'm interested in okay. learning more about because they're doing cool research
0: or in the cool area.
1: I look on LinkedIn. I activate my LinkedIn premium. I see who works there. And I'll say second connection. If the first connection to me is close, I'll reach out and say, introduce me. But oftentimes, you know, if you haven't kept up, maybe you added somebody you don't even really know how to connect to. I'll just shoot the new person that I'm interested in talking to a uh, LinkedIn email. That's the other thing that LinkedIn Premium lets you do okay. is contact second connection for free. For you know, you get I think 15 oh. messages. And sometimes they get back
0: to you. Well, this is fantastic. A lot of personal <laughs> notes. I should be taking notes.
1: I'll say, Yeah, we have this. To- comment or I'm just really interested in what you're doing. You know, and sometimes they'll get back to me. And that's
0: that's been also very fruitful and just also interesting. A great way to grow that um, network. Beautiful thank you. Thank you. I will have to send this sure. to LinkedIn. Um because it sounds like they would sponsor you since you really know <laughs> since you really know what's yeah. up. Now that is um in the digital world. Um, and I know um, Things have been tough in the Bay Area with COVID, but pre-COVID, um, let's start with pre-COVID and let's also talk about post-COVID. Uh, but pre-COVID, what were you doing uh, to build community in person?
1: Yep, absolutely, and that was so important. And I think one of the things that happened to me is, as I joined San Francisco, got my job, grew my family, is I became quite busy. And so it was kind of important, it was I had less time to make friendships, and less time to build networks. And what I really enjoyed about San Francisco is kind of organically. But then I tried to be more thoughtful about it. Is my friends were my network. So I became friends with other scientists, other people in my field who I liked, and would try to spend social time with them. So we started a sciencey basketball game in South San Francisco that expanded beyond just my friends. You know, we had an email list of about 15 people. We send it out. Say, game on Monday, and it would just grow. People would invite yeah. their colleagues. And all of a sudden, we were having a weekly game where I would, was meeting fantastic people that also happened to be in this broader science network. And to me, that was so rewarding because I spent time with yeah. people, <laughs> and that was nice. <laughs> but also, you know, without me, too, I just like them. But I know that if I needed a job or if they needed a job or just a connection, we are not part of each yeah. other's network. Another thing I did was, you know, to try to take this to the next level when the basketball wasn't as consistent, was also have like a science salon-type meetup, where we would, you know, I had an email list of kind of, again, about 20 people, anybody who, you know, I liked and was in science, met at they spread it to their friends, and we'd say, let's meet at this bar, have a drink, and talk a little science, talk yeah. a little life. And again, it was a merging of personal and professional. And I thought that was great because, again, I had so little time and I would feel if I was doing one or the other that, you know, I wasn't as happy as I could be. But to do those together, I would always feel that
0: very fulfilled. Oh, that's beautiful. And um, really, when you were talking about basketball, one thing that hit me, uh, and it's so funny that, you know, the idea of getting people together to play a sport and create a network, it's not new. You know it's just but you know you, you hear about people making deals on the golf course all the time um, at the tennis club all the time but I think that maybe people don't realize that they could just do this on their own form a kickball league form a yeah. softball league or a, a just even a basketball team well if you're just one team and join another league um, you can do this too uh it's uh, maybe a message yeah. that gets lost or that no one invests in. So I really, uh, I really love that you're, you you did that. Yeah.
1: And it was, you know, it was really, it was one of the things that when COVID kind of came into our lives, that's one of the things yeah. that I lost. And we, I think a lot of people, and that, that's where it becomes really personal and really nice because we would email each other and say, we missed yeah. this game. And so it, it definitely became harder to do that. Um, so
0: this is, uh. Interesting. As I'm looking at my notes for the conversation, I feel as though I wrote them when COVID was definitely on the on a downward trend, but now uh, things are heading in the wrong direction. They're heading back up a little bit. And so I really wanted to differentiate between what you did during COVID to stay connected with people yeah. and what you do post-COVID. Um, in particular with post-COVID, the that we had a question about people. Uh, who, may, who maybe feel like they've abandoned their connections uh, during COVID times. And so I'm interested in hearing uh, if you feel like you have maintained connections in the same way, or if you just kind of let some connections exist on their own, because people have a lot going on, frankly. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I'll
1: say this, if I really think about it, I definitely let my connections drop Mm -hmm. because there wasn't as much opportunity to engage, hang Mm -hmm. out. And now I actually, you know, I moved to from San Francisco to Boulder, Colorado. And it's going to, you know, definitely that basketball game, you know, for me, they're still playing, but I won't be a part of it anymore. So I definitely am feeling a little Mm -hmm. bit of loss. And when I really think I do, you know, I've lost some connection. But what I think I try to give myself the benefit of the doubt that it's okay to reach out without having to have put in the work this whole time because people have a lot going on. People, you know, and so lately I've been trying to do this a little more. When I think of someone, I send them a text or a note or just say hello. Or, you know, I just reach out and take a chance. And if they feel like, you know, so far I haven't gotten a negative response because I think people are more... People are more understanding than I think. You know, I get a little nervous about it. We haven't talked in a while. Do I really have the credibility or whatever that Mm. feeling is to say hello again? I kind of, but I think we all should give ourselves the power to do that. And if we don't get a response,
0: that's okay. okay. Well, okay. Let me ask you something else Um, associated with that. Let's say someone does not respond to you, um, from your hello. Down the road, if uh, it turns out they're working at a company that you're interested in, would you reach out to them again? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I probably, I think the answer to now I'm just being fully honest. I think yeah. the answer is yes. And I, I wouldn't, you know, there's a fine, maybe there's an art to this a little bit where everyone has to use their best mm. judgment. You know, if, if I reach out to them again and they don't follow up, maybe I won't do it a third time. But I'll I'll just give the benefit of the doubt that maybe they were busy and maybe they didn't it wasn't in the right place for them, or maybe my note wasn't as sincere as it could be, or something. So I give it I I'd give it a chance, you know, I'd say hello. Um, I think and I would encourage your listeners to do listen to that too. Take the benefit I of the I do doubt. too.
0: You should say hello. And I think it's it's interesting. There's um, I don't know. This could, again could just be my personal experience, but maybe other people will relate. There's like something in my mind that's looking for any reason to not reach out to people who uh, I haven't talked to in a long time. It's like, Oh, it's like cringe. (laughs) Maybe I just won't because they don't know, you know, if I, (laughs) if I don't say hello, but I really do feel as though you miss out on valuable opportunities in the future when you don't maintain those connections and that it's not like you lose anything when you do reach out and if and they don't respond back yes. or what have you it's like oh, who cares <laughs>
1: and, and i want to add one more point that now i'm starting to feel more especially post-covid mm. is, that, is that i would like it if people reached out to yeah. me you know i won't always respond if i'm super busy or maybe if something comes up but i'll try and it feels good to be helpful, kind of what, how this whole story started, where folks were open to chatting with me. I think we all wanna be more connected, especially as you're hopefully coming back into an engaged world. So sometimes it's a good opportunity when somebody reaches out and you can help somebody with something, an introduction or just some guidance or something, or just a conversation. That also feels good for the mentor in that conversation, or just the
0: acquaintance. So sometimes it's good. You reach out and that other person can get a lot of benefit from that as well beautiful um and i think um it's also important to emphasize that you don't necessarily have to be you don't need it you don't have to need anything when you reach out to someone you don't (laughs) sometimes it's it's a it can be that um that shared humanity hi i just thought maybe you'd appreciate someone saying hi (laughs) or talking to someone outside of your normal circle um you know you don't even have to say i don't want anything you could just just be there
1: No. Exactly. And maybe I'll add one more tactical thing that I do do that I was thinking about is that I do have this broad network that I try to stay in touch on occasion and, you know, give it the benefit of the doubt. But there are a few people in my life that have really made a huge difference that I try to send them, if I have a big change in my life, even if we haven't been in touch, I send them an email and say, I'm just saying hello, here's some things that happened here's my new address, here's some changes. And then I leave it at that. And that feels like a way to, again, be grateful because they were so meaningful in my life that just to give them an update. And so that's something that, you know,
0: if you feel that's part of the humanity piece, if you feel like, I mean, you just wanna say hello, that's good enough. Yeah, if you want people to know what's going on in your life. And if you think, you know, that adds value to their lives also now, I agree. I love that. But again, tactically, how many people would you say are on that uh, personal email list? You know, on the personal professional list, probably, you know, five to ten. See, that's not hard. Everyone can get five to (laughs) ten.
1: Yeah. Just people that, you know, have been, you know, obviously old bosses, mentors,
0: some really memorable
1: connections, just to say hello. And then if I... Forget somebody. I'm not That's too true. hard on myself. I'll send them a <laughs> note next time. Um,
0: yeah. And that is; those are individual person-to-person emails, but not BCCs. Yep. Yeah,
1: that kind of goes back to my personal kind of. I'm a little anxious about
0: BCCing.
1: I tend to, I I tend to always just put that email directly. It takes a little longer
0: for me, but again, I have a manageable list. Mm-hmm. I you know, so that 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 feels. And right. that's um, that is direct email, not on LinkedIn, or do you do both? Yes.
1: So for the really personal email, for the kind of life update, that is a direct email. Not a text message. <laughs> not a te- you know, not a text message because somehow that feels too much like it requires a response. Oh, sure. Like it requires something, and even- an email just feels like the right medium where it can float there, be there when that person is ready to receive it. And if they want to write me a note, it's on Mm -hmm. their time.
0: Wonderful. Okay. Are there any other last minute tactical tips before we take our next coffee break and get into uh, the closing part of our conversation?
1: You know, one more thing came up and this is just because I've got four jobs, I've had to leave oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> something that I've done that I actually find has been really helpful is try to tell people directly. When I was leaving, instead of sending a mass email, I would send a direct note to you know, as many people as I could. I mean, that comes with if you interview for a job, you should send it you know, I, I sent a direct <laughs> thank you. When I left that job, I also said, you know, a direct thank you. And what I found is that that led to some really personal conversations. People would kind of, you know, if I could catch them on the video or phone or in person, I would do that. Or I would send them an email and they would write me something back that I feel like was so, would, would be the right way to leave a
0: company to maintain the long term relationship. Yeah. So maybe that's my tactical advice. When you can, keep it personal. Uh, that is really good advice uh, because uh, one of the people in this conversation has something of a, a uh, hot-blooded nature when it comes to leaving jobs. And so <laughs> I, I definitely remember leaving one job by, uh, by sending a scorcher of an email. <laughs> to, I was like, who does he report to? Who does he report to? They're all getting this email. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that did lead to future conversations, uh, but not in the beneficial way for me. Those conversations were more like, oh, what can we as a company do to change so that we so that other people don't have the same similar experience? So it's very one-sided. Um, and I would not reach out to those people uh, for future opportunities. like they, they would not make my email list of <laughs> yeah. you know. But when you're thinking long term, well, those are bridges that are burned, right? And I think that uh, my professional career would benefit at some point, even if it's 50 years from now, by cultivating those relationships yeah. rather than burning those bridges. Even if, you know, some people deserve to get burned. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, um, OK, we are going to go to coffee break, but there is a, a question that I noticed on here that I didn't ask you about, which is um, we, we talked about the personal but you do some work, I think, that, um, that scales a little bit more. Because when I Googled you, <laughs> your, your ranking in Google is high. I was like, oh, okay. I, I, you know, everything. And maybe it's your name, right? Maybe you're the only person with your name on the internet. <laughs> but I wonder if um, you do any work to, on, your, uh, on the way you appear online. Um, to ensure that you always rank at the top or that your accomplishments are always advertised on a particular way or, or how that goes? You know, I don't do too much except one, I have a unique okay.
1: name, so that does help. Actually, that may be the key thing, but the other thing that I do do is when I do put out, I mean, I don't do much, but, but I do have a, a photo, a friend that, yeah. that I like. <laughs> And so, and so I use the same photo, for example, anytime it has to go mm,
0: online. Consistency.
1: It's That's branding. And, one, and once in a while, I will Google myself. It's rare. Maybe I'll do it after this, You're doing good. After this yeah. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just to make sure nothing. And so far, it's been so good. But I think there are ways just to make sure. Because I understand that now we're in this digital kind of world. But I
0: do want, if somebody checks me out, that um you know they see the yeah. right stuff All right everyone Google yourselves make sure <laughs> make sure you're looking all yes. right on there <laughs> okay yeah. let us take yeah. a coffee break I am unfortunately getting towards the end of my cup um and we'll be right back. hey everyone welcome to the second coffee break for this episode uh, this coffee break will be considerably shorter than the first one. We're just going to briefly discuss where you can get your COVID-19 vaccine and booster. So, if you need a COVID-19 vaccine or booster and live in Minnesota, here are some ways to get your free shot. First off, you can visit the State of Minnesota website at mn.gov/covid19. You can check for appointments at vaccines.gov. Or you can search by vaccine type. You can reach directly out to your primary care physician or provider or your local pharmacy to set up an appointment. Or you can walk in or make an appointment at one of the state of Minnesota's community vaccination sites. Now to find the location of a community vaccination site, you would go once again to the state of Minnesota's website mn.gov Slash, COVID nineteen. Okay, see, I told you this one would be quick. Now let's get back to the conversation. Okay, we are back. I, you know what? Um, we spent the entire time talking, and so I did not get more coffee. Uh, hey. Foolish me. But we had very, very. This, this is so on brand for Bottomless Coffee. We started talking about um, privilege. In relation to reaching out to people and how, um, you know, for some people they can almost feel entitled when it comes to reaching out. Like, of course, this person is going to respond to me. And other people, um, for various reasons, might feel like um, reaching out is an imposition, or they're just going to be rejected anyway, or they might get more rejections or ignored more, um, just because of the way our culture is and. Um, I think what's really important is that we well, I think I think a lot of things are important on this topic. But one thing I think that's important is that we keep moving forward with courage. Um, You do not win by not participating. And so you have to kind of cut through, kind of pierce the veil when it comes to privilege. To remember um, how I was talking about how I was projecting some vulnerabilities onto other people. Well, in the same way, we can project this idea that we will be ignored or not seen or not responded to onto other people. Like these are full on humans um, on the other side of the of the racial line. That's weird, but you know, <laughs> let's be real. White people understand that things are crazy right now and that. They need to have more diverse networks. And I think getting a message from a person of color would be very welcome in this environment. And on the other side, uh, I think there's a message that if you are a white person or someone who is in a network where everyone looks just like you, um, you can take some of the tactical advice that we talked about in this conversation to diversify your own network. It can work both ways. so. We, I, we almost made it through a whole bottomless coffee episode without talking about racism, which would have been so weird. <laughs> so, thank you for bringing it up um, during that coffee break. It's so important. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I love that. Let's move forward yes. with courage. And I, I
1: will do, you know, I'm trying to do my part. Yeah. Kind of moving forward with courage, reaching out. And that kind of brings me to, you know, maybe our. Final topic. Yeah. What's next
0: <laughs> What's next for you?
1: Well, one is I'm going to keep making drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited about that. You know, I'm going to new company here, and hopefully we'll make a difference in people's lives, and you know, go after cancer. But also, I do really want to be more purposeful, or continue to be purposeful, of bringing people into the science field. I think diversity in sciences is important across the board mm-hmm. in so many ways to bring new ideas, new perspectives, and just Science is a great place to be, So anybody who wants to be a scientist should be there. So that's something that I'm gonna try to move forward with courage on and do more because I know I have a responsibility. I have certain privileges and I've been given, I'm really grateful for the opportunities that I've had. So I definitely wanna pass those on as much as I can to as diverse a community as I can.
0: Now, um, you mentioned that LinkedIn is your preferred platform of choice and that you'd love for people to say hello uh, so do you happen to know your LinkedIn, like profile? Cause I don't, I don't know mine either.
1: <laughs> it, I, it is Yevgeny PhD. Hey, there you go. So if you do LinkedIn.com and you put in Yevgeny, Y-E-V-G-E-N-I-Y PhD, and I'm going to do this right now to just make sure I don't send people the wrong way. I think it should work. I think you should find me. Perfect. Well, it's not working right now. But But reach out to me, and you can can find me by my full name, or I think Yevgeny PhD should work. Oh, my God, it's Yevgeny-PhD. Yep, so get in touch. I'm Yevgeny, Y-E-V-G-E-N-I-Y-PhD. And if you could, send me a personal note, add a note saying, you heard this podcast, and I would love to chat. Beautiful.
0: Thank you so much, Yevgeny. This has been really wonderful. I am excited to maybe make a mug that says, keep making drugs. Uh, (laughs) Maybe I'll put it on my shelf. (laughs) This has been really fantastic. I'm very grateful for this conversation. And I'm excited to stay connected with you for the foreseeable future. Fantastic. Jerome, thanks so much for having me. Great to chat. Bye-bye.